Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of The Messy Walk with uh, Adam Cook. I'm your host, Graham Beasley, and uh, we just want to thank you. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Everybody, for all four of y'all. Yeah, all four people, back. mom, dad, Grandma. my brother. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, we, we can assure you that this episode is definitely better than all of our previous episodes. Yeah, than all of them, right? All right. the previous ones right. that we've made. Um because we start from the bottom, and now you're here. So that's, <laughs> that's where we're at. We're, we're progressing slowly but surely. Uh, the last episode, we were just kind of introducing. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now. Uh, this episode probably won't make too much sense if you don't do that. Um, we were just kind of going over why we started the podcast, um, Adam's vision behind it, a little bit of his story, not too much of that, um, and then getting into why we called it The Messy yeah, Blog. Yeah, yeah. Right. In a practical the, sense, yeah, the just general idea of what what in the world we're going to be doing on the podcast, and so that that is why we named it that. And so the point is, is this is going to be very transparent and an open yeah. um, talk about how the the Christian walk is messy, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just talked through that whole concept of, of doing that last week and figuring all that out, and you know the call, kind of the call I feel on my life to be someone who uh, pushes towards and advocates. Um, an authentic, open, honest approach to walking with Jesus because it's messy and it's ugly. And so sometimes we want to hide the stuff that's messy and ugly. Yep. But instead, uh, we're going to talk about the messy and the ugly, yep. which is why, you know, if there's any errors on this podcast, we've done that on purpose. Um, so that <laughs> we've made those yeah. errors on purpose yeah. so that it's messy too, right? It's foreshadowing. Yeah, it's, it's, ab- in, absolutely. it's a, It was extremely intentional yeah it's very intentional so (laughs) when you're going through here and you're going man these guys are amateurs we did that on purpose right you can hear me breathe i talked about that last time too so if you if you end up hearing me breathe on here i have a problem don't make fun of me um i have a medical issue so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, you you can't make fun of me um anyway yeah into this episode we're going to be getting more into your personal story with jesus yeah and how you really started this whole journey um, where was it? How old were you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not, I mean, you've kind of shared with me uh, a little bit here and there. We've been able to talk, but I feel like there's still more guys yeah. I haven't even heard. Yeah, I'd like to lead story. you guys up to um, being called in the ministry, you know, I, and we'll hit that later, but yeah. I'd like to kind of lead you up to that. And so, you know, I grew up, um, I was born in Danville, um, Virginia, and um, um, except for a short stint that I spent in Durham, North Carolina, I've lived here my whole life. Um, and uh, when I was like four or five years old, my family moved to Caswell County, North Carolina, which if you know about the area we're talking about, is no ways. It's right across the state line into North Carolina. And so that's where I was raised, was in the sticks of Caswell County, North Carolina, um, one of the smallest population-wise counties in the state of North Carolina. And um, and so anyway, that's, that's where I was raised. And I had great parents. Um, they're still great parents. They're great grandparents um, <clears throat> that were Christians. And so we uh, very early on when we moved into Caswell County started going to a little small um, Baptist church in the middle of nowhere, hmm. sl- Blanche slash Milton slash nowhere in North Carolina. Um, and that was where my family connected. And, 
you know, there were probably, I'm sure that some of you, you know this about little small Baptist churches. You probably have your own experience. There were probably, you know, 35, 40 people there. Um, all of them related in some way, yeah. except for kind of like my family. And um, It was less of, hey, church, but hey, family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it very much was. Yeah, it was like, you know, it was just a family. And so yeah. that's where we ended up at. And, um, you know, not many kids, not many people. And, and I've always been a kind of serious kid. I've always been um, mature from my age, no matter what age it was. And I was always a big kid, too, so I've always been big. And, and at about uh, eight years old, I knew that uh, the Lord was leading me to accept Jesus as my Savior, which is crazy, right, because that seems so young. When you get older, it just seems so young. Um, but I knew, I knew, and I know now still, that that's the moment that I accepted Jesus. And so I remember it like it was yesterday, um, even though I cannot quote the date to you. And I, I want to bring that up because I think there's some people, I've heard Christians say this before, if you can't remember the exact date and time, then you weren't saved. I think that's crap. And so I don't remember the don't, exact yeah. date, but I remember the moment. I remember the, the, the what was happening in the moment. I remember where I was and all those kind of things. And I can tell you the exact date because it's written in my Bible that I got from my church when I got saved because that's what you did in the, in the Baptist church back then. And, um, and so I can tell you that exact date. And there's a really cool story with that too that we can't tell right now um, right. with my oldest daughter when she accepted Christ and how uh, God did some things to confirm for me because she was really young when she accepted Jesus too. But anyway, so I was a young kid and I remember um, we were in a Sunday service and we're sitting there and most of the time in church, I was doing what kids do, right? I was uh, playing in the hymnal and, uh, um, you know, drawing and getting candy from the, from the old ladies in church, right? And some butterscotch and peppermints and stuff like that. And (laughs) Werther's original, right? I was, I was getting down on those and not paying attention and drawing on the offering cards and stuff like that. And, Offering envelopes and um, and that's usually what was happening. And then my dad, my dad was uh, um, worked for Goodyear, and so he was a factory worker. He built tires, and so he had these really, really strong hands. And most of the time, I'd end up sitting beside my family in church on the pew, right, same pew every week because that's how you rolled. And uh, I'd be doing something stupid, and I'd feel him reach around my mama and grab my neck with his Goodyear tire building hands, and my head would about pop off. And so that's most of the time that's what I was doing in church. But I was mature. I was always paying attention, you know. And we had Sunday school and stuff like that where I was learning about the gospel more. Um, But that day, uh, I have no idea what the preacher was preaching about, right? Which uh, for me as a preacher um, is kind of disheartening, right? Yeah. <laughs> to know that most of the time people don't remember what you're talking about, um, which doesn't matter, you know, because it's about what God's saying to the soul. And so uh, in that moment, I, I like service was over with. I remember he was preaching, and, and we're towards the end, and there's an altar call moment. And I look at my mom and my dad, and I said, I'm going forward. I need to accept Jesus. And I was kind of, I was, they were was looking at me and I was like, excuse me, get out of the way, right? Move out of the way, right? I need to go. And so I walked myself down that aisle. I remember the carpet, like it was this blue colored carpet, almost like Tar Heel blue, UNC blue. Yeah. And I walked down to that altar and uh, the pastor there met me there and led me to Jesus. And I know that was the moment I was saved beyond, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like I know that moment was the moment where, um, you know, God called me his and that I was, I was um, uh, clean in Jesus, you know, that I was safe in Jesus. I knew the moment. I, I mean, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And, and then a month or so later, I was baptized. Um, and so I started following Christ, uh, purposely following Christ, not like just connecting with my family and going to church and, you know, being raised in it, but purposefully, intentionally following Christ as an eight-year-old. Um, 
And so this was a really small church. And so on Wednesday nights, they'd have like, you know, Bible studies and stuff like that. And I remember being the only 10-year-old that was in the adult Bible study on Wednesday night. As a matter of fact, I remember the first Bible study that I ever went to with a pastor there. And so there was like seven other people there that all had gray hair, and there was me. And I was this 10-year-old sitting there with my Bible open, and he was teaching through Colossians. And so I remember mm. studying and reading Colossians. As a matter of fact, I still have the notes that I took from that wow. moment. It was pretty crazy. And so I was baptized a little while later, and so I started following Christ as a very young person, right? Very young person. And so I took it quite seriously, but of course, I was still a kid, and I was still a mess, right? And so... You know, I would, I would do all kinds of stupid stuff that I shouldn't have done. You know, there was still sin all around me and in me. And, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I pushed my brother. I have a younger brother. He's about uh, six years younger than me. And uh, I remember after being a saved Christian, I remember taking my brother and making a parachute out of a bed sheet, taking him to the second floor of my mom and dad's house and pushing him off the roof to see if he could you know, land with the homemade parachute. The parachute did not work, um, and he did live, and he didn't break anything, and he better not have told nobody. So this should be the first time this is ever being told to my mama because, you know, she's the only one listening right now is my mama. So anyway. Yeah. Um, she's uh, calling yeah, you right I mean, now. so I did all kinds of stupid stuff, you know. I mean, yeah. all kinds of things. Struggle with all kinds of stuff, right? And, and you know, I walked through – this is what's interesting if, you know, if you accepted Christ earlier in life. I walked through puberty as a – saved, redeemed Christian, right? So I was a Christ follower walking through puberty. Needless to say, that's a hot mess period in anybody's life, and it was for mine too, even though I was a Christian, right? I mean, I I struggled with, as a young boy and a young teenage boy, I struggled with, you know, sexually pure and impure thoughts and, you know, and stuff that goes along with that and doing stuff that you – wish you wouldn't have done and seeing things you wish you'd never seen and you know I remember I remember buying a a torn out sheet of a Playboy magazine for a dollar from a friend of mine and hiding it in my room you know as a Christian so not just a not just a typical that's what boys do teenager but somebody who was trying to follow Jesus right so I mean it was a messy walk from the get-go I mean let's let's be real like it, it was a it, it was a struggle um and, and those struggles that I had then as a young Christian, you know, as going into my teenage years, they're the same struggles for the most part that I have now. Like some of them I'm, of course, better at and further along. But some of those things that you struggle with as a kid, um, you tend to struggle with your whole life in some way, you know. And, of course, I believe that God can deliver you from those and that you move on to other struggles. But I think that they're the root of a lot of things, you know, like, talking about my dad um, working at Goodyear and stuff. So my dad was a second shift worker my whole life. And so he worked from 3 o'clock to 11 o'clock uh, in the evening, six days a week. And my dad was an awesome man, so he never he never worked extra. Um, so when it was all overtime and stuff like that, he never took it because he was already gone a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, from that three o'clock to 11 o'clock period. And it was only, it was me and my mama and I was the oldest son. And I was also big, like I was telling you before, and I was also mature. Right. And so I became sort of the man of the house through that young age. And my mama leaned on me a lot, you know, because I was mature and, you know, and, and big and I was a Christ follower. So I was trying to be relatively serious. And, you know, my mom leaned on me a lot during those, during that period of life. And, you know, my dad was, was not there. Um, 
of course, he was spending as much time as he could and Sundays and stuff. Like, that's how my dad and I started getting into baseball cards. Like, you may not know this about me, but I absolutely love baseball cards because my dad and I, that's how we bonded. We we collected baseball cards together um, when I was a young teenager and kid. And on Sundays after church, we would go hit up all the flea markets around the area. Yeah. And Eden Flea Market in Eden, North Carolina, Ringgold Flea Market. I mean, there was tons of them back in the day. We would go hit all the flea markets, and we would get baseball cards. And so – Matter of fact, the cards that you wanted the most were the Yankees, right? And so I am now and have been since a little boy a New York Yankee fan, which is crazy, and everybody thinks it's insane because I'm from the South, and yet I love the Yankees. And so anyway, my my, you know, with with sort of some extra pressure from my mom or just the way the situation was, right, I don't want to throw her under the bus, I developed some very deep-seated perfectionistic tendencies, right? Or they, or they were already kind of there, and they started coming out during that time frame. And so, I've struggled with perfectionism um, and control for my whole life, right? And so, those struggles were real as a young Christian. That everything had to be exactly right, and everything had to be perfect. You had to be the absolute best, and you controlled as many situations as you control, so that you could be the absolute best. And where that starts to shake out bad, and it starts early on with me. Where, where, like we say, a messy walk would be, was when things didn't go perfect because they don't, right? Because this is life and we're fallible humans. And when you can't win everything that you do and you can't come across as the best in any situation, when that stuff starts to happen, you know, you have two choices, right? And as a young kid, I started processing through this. Like, you have two choices. You can admit that you don't have it all together or you can lie and pretend like you do. And so the struggle early on went from perfectionism as kind of a route to honesty or rather dishonesty, right? And so it's not being who you really are and not, you know, if if something comes up and you've got to show some vulnerability, you just lie and figure out a way not to do that. And and it became an issue very, very early on. And I think now, thinking back, it's the same issue. Like, I, I'm, I'm constantly, I mean, that's why we're doing this right now. This is why I teach the way I teach. This is, this is kind of how our church is set up. The whole point is, is I know my struggle is to be dishonest, and I think God is constantly calling me to be who I am, right? Because he loves me, he's got me, and you got to be who you are no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so that struggle has followed me. Um, but it's also helped define what I think God wants me to do, who he wants me to be as a person. And so as a young man, those struggles were real, right? Um, and then, you know, at, at 14 and a half, I started dating my now wife, right? I, st- I met Valerie at, at – I met Valerie. It's a crazy story. I met Valerie um, on my first day of high school. Now, I need you guys to understand how awesome this is and then, therefore, how awesome I am because – I walked into my freshman day of high school, my fresh first day freshman year, and in my class was a senior, right? Her name is Valerie. Now it's Cook. It was Sterling. A senior in that class because she had to take the class because they had moved back into across the state lines or something and the credits didn't transfer right. So she's in this freshman science class, and um, I'm there, and within a couple of months, I, as a freshman, am dating that senior, right, because I'm the Mac Daddy, right? And so that's just kind of the way it was. But, I mean, I started dating Valerie at 14 and a half, and so that started to define um, my life as a Christian because she was a Christian too. And 
Matter of fact, the first phone call that we had, one of the first questions we asked our, asked each other when we were on the phone, you know how you do, you were, we were talking on the phone because that's all we could do because I was 14 and a half years old. Yeah. Um, first question she asked me was, are you a Christ follower? And my answer was, yes, are you, right? I mean, we were pretty serious about it. And so that helped to define that walk with Christ a lot, but there's also so many struggles in that. I mean, we were a, a young teenage couple falling in love, right? and trying to be the best Christ followers we could be at the same time. And so that's a messy walk, too, you know. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and so this, those issues that, are, you know, we talk about those issues that are there when you're younger. A lot of them are still there when you're older, right? They're very formative, um, and, and they, they go back to not just you and your situation, but they just go back to you as a sinful person born into a sinful world. And so, you know, I've struggled with the same stuff my whole life, perfectionism, honesty, uh, uh, sexual purity, you know, um, those kind of things. I mean, it's just always been the case. And and when I say sexual purity, I mean I'm mainly talking, you know, thoughts and actions, not necessarily with other people. You know what I'm saying? But it's just one of those things where if we're real honest about it, they root back. And so as a young person who accepted Christ young, man, I still had a lot of big struggles that have that are still there, right? There's still those there's those pieces. And so, you know, you can let those things kind of take over your life and dominate, or you can lean into Jesus, Jesus and realize he wants to, you know, he, he's filling in the cracks in those spots, right? And so you can actually be who you are. I would have never, ever thought about sitting here having a podcast talking about my issues 10, 15 years ago, right? I would have never thought about it. Um, but when we started Union, something changed. It was a It was a moment of redemption. It was a moment of... You can be who you are, right? You can you can be lead with your struggles. Um, I, 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 it was a really formative moment in that when I was before we started Union Church. Um, I was at a church in Durham, and a guy that I'll leave his name out of the podcast, um, you know, basically said, "Hey, you, you're going to do great. You're an awesome preacher. You got this, but you need to you need to stop talking with that accent, right?" You need to you need to talk differently, right? Mm. This is a different town. You gotta, and so I was just constantly focused on. Oh my goodness, I need to talk differently. I, I sound like a big hick redneck, and you know all this stuff. And I remember as we as we started the union, God specifically saying, "No, no, no, you're going to be you, right? You're going to be you, um, and you don't need to change who you are mm. or pretend like it doesn't exist. Like so, it's not just change who you are and how how you how you say something. You're your dialect. Instead, it's, you know, even in your struggles and your problems and stuff like that, you just got to be honest about it, right? And, and if God knows it, if God knows it, and so if he's God, then he knows it, right? Whether you've mm-hmm. told him or not. Yeah. So if God knows it and you believe in him for your salvation, right, and then, then why can't other people know it then, mm-hmm. right? Why, why can't it just be open? Right, and so if 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 God is who God says He is, right, and He is who you believe He is, and He has saved you, loved you, redeemed you, called you His own, then why can't other people know the same mess about you, right? Yeah. And so that's just kind of that process that God's been doing in my life. But those struggles have always been there as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think that I think we need to spend some more time as Christians and Christ followers and stuff thinking about the formative years of our life and the struggles that we had, no matter what age we accepted Jesus, right? Because um, I think when people hear, you know, you accepted Christ at eight years old, 
that, man, you must have walked through your teenage years, you know, killing it, right? And that's just not <laughs> true. I did a lot of stupid stuff through those teenage years and as a kid and a lot of dumb things. I mean, I was preaching a message one time years ago, and I'm in the middle of the message, and the message is on forgiveness. Hmm. And in walks this guy that I went to school with, and he is at church for the first time. I've never seen him at church before. And all I can think about while I'm preaching this message on forgiveness is I've got to ask his forgiveness because he walks in and all I can think about is how bad I treated him in school, right? Wow. As a Christian, you know, I mean, as a Christian, how bad I treated this guy. And the whole time I felt like the Holy Spirit was going, when you finish preaching this message, you're going to walk straight down to this guy and you're going to say, I'm sorry. Right. And so I did, I did. And he didn't really want to hear it. He he didn't, he didn't want to really have anything to do with it, but I did all that crap when I was a Christian, you know? And so even though you're young, when you accept Christ, there's still a mess you walk through. And that's what what I'm trying to get across, I guess, is that this walk with Jesus (laughs) is a mess. Right. And so the only people that are walking messy lives are not, those that don't know Jesus, right? Um, we are still walking a messy walk as well, but I do b- believe that Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, and he is working on that in us, but the final perfection of that is not till we get out of this messed up world, right? And so we're going to have struggles in it, and we're going to be sinful, and we're going to struggle, and, and even as Christ followers, we're going to do some things that we are not proud of, that we don't want anybody to know about, and that that we're embarrassed about um and then not just embarrassed because we're christians we're convicted of them you know like there's true conviction there of this is not who i want to be in jesus and i had a lot of those moments as a young person following jesus you know lots of them and there's just i mean i could i could just give you so many examples and by the time we were done you'd be like i'm not listening to this podcast anymore this guy's crazy um (laughs) you know uh but it's just it's just that that was my walk with jesus as an early young man and then you know meeting valerie and walking through it as a teenager i mean we were we were married um when i was 19 and a half years old it's crazy right yeah that'd be one year from now for me and that's like not yeah. Okay. <laughs> and before my twentieth birthday, me, really. I was a married man, you know, and and the the, the way we did that, you know, we yeah. we fell in love as teenagers, and um and she graduated high school, and we continued to date while I was in high school, and what we ended up doing was we knew we were going to be married. Matter of fact, I I knew the first day I saw her, I I literally came home and I told my little brother, who probably has no memory of this at all, I'm going to marry that girl I saw today, at high school, and on my first day of high school, but. We had to get married. Um, we knew we were like, we got to get married, right? Yeah. We got to do this thing right. But we couldn't do that till one of us was out of college, right? So we needed somebody to be able to earn some income. And so Valerie graduated college. I was a year out of high school, um, and that's when we got married. And so uh, that, just being with her, being with a, a, a Christian woman walking in the same direction, helped to solidify that walk with Christ a lot during my teenage years. But there's still so many things that I did, that we did, that, you know, I'm not proud of, and they're, they're kind of messy too. Um, but it, it, all, it all is formative to it. And I think that for me, that's my walk with Jesus. But Jesus has been my Savior since I was about eight years old. And uh, I think that Jesus has been my Lord um, since a few years after that. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that leaning into the, leaning into the salvation of Jesus is easy at any age, right? 
leaning into the lordship of Jesus is a whole nother story, right? And our, our, we're supposed to profess that he is Lord and Savior, right, to be saved. And so I think at any age it's easy to go, God loves me. He sent his son to die for me. This is my only hope. Why wouldn't I take this? It's free. But the lordship of Jesus is a whole nother story. And I think that's where our, that's where our walk with Jesus comes in. Mm-hmm is that it's all about, it's not about his salvation in those moments. It's about his lordship. It's not about his saviorhood. It's about him being lord of all in our lives, right? Yeah. And so because he has saved me, I want him to be the lord of all this mess, of all these struggles and these problems. And so it's given all that stuff over. And walking with Valerie as a teenager helped that process, and it still does. I mean, the most formative thing for me right now in my faith walk is my marriage. Um, no one in this world has shown me the grace of Jesus more than my wife has, right? Because um, I've done things to her and I've hurt her in all kinds of ways that she should have just thrown me out and she forgives me. And so that grace and forgiveness of Jesus is tangible in that person, mm-hmm. right? And that started early on, you know, uh, walking with her in that, in our faith. But, you know, I'm rambling now, cause, but that's what podcasts are supposed to do, yeah. I think. So <laughs> I think we're good, and we're not doing a really good one anyway, so we're all right. So, yeah. um, you know, that's just kind of my story. That's really good. Yeah, I like what you were saying um, about, you know, the whole sanctification process is, is, I think even for me, being saved this year, like there's always this, I was like at the beginning of it, I was like, what's the, you know, what's the fast process? You know how what's right, the what's right. the give me the steps and I and I I truly will commit right. to them and then understanding it is it's not this like checkoff list yeah, you know, it's not that and that's learning that was it was kind of scary at first because I I think as people we want religion we want a set of rules so we are able to tangibly check it off and make sure that we have like this sight of assurance and then learning I was like it's a relationship was one was hard because you know my human nature wanted religion yeah but then was all actually really you know there was a lot of joy in it because i'm like i i get a which is i when i say it it's 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 we it's crazy and you know and tons of people believe it but i have a relationship with the creator of everything right like that is wild you know yeah i think i think inside our hearts we all want religion right because it gives us it gives us these, like you said, these tangible checkoffs, like one, two, three, four, I know I'm good, right? But at the end of the day, it's also the thing that if you were really honest about it, you would realize that, no, I'm not good, right? Because I'm just sitting here talking about being a saved Christian at eight years old, right, and walking through those years and still failing constantly. And so yeah. religion wouldn't work for me because I, I could not do step one through five correctly mm-hmm. every single day, every single moment. There's no way, right? And but But there's a relationship with Jesus where you don't have to do those things perfectly right every day. You want to because you're in a relationship with someone who lets you not have to. Um, and it just drives back to that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're in a relationship with the creator of the world, right? He wants to be your friend, your father, right? Yeah. And, and it's mind blowing and it's freeing, right? It's freeing from having to walk these things. Cause if, because if I was, if I was sitting here right now today, processing my faith through, my success and fail rate as a Christian since the age of eight, I would uh, quit 
jump off a bridge, right, run away. Like, it would be like, yeah. oh, my goodness. And then you start adding in what I was talking about a minute ago, that the perfectionistic tendencies. Oh, yeah. You start adding that in there, and I, I don't, I don't want to come out. I want to crawl under a rock, right? I mean, yeah. you know, like, I just want to, to fall apart. I actually think that's where a lot of the depression and anxiety in my life has come from. Hmm. It's come from this idea of, oh, my goodness, I don't add up. I failed, I failed, I failed. And not leaning into the relationship with God who's going, I know you failed. I knew you was going to fail before you failed, and I still love you. I still died for you. I still, I still, I'm still here, right? You can't, get what, you can't get rid of me. There's a relationship. And I think that's where a lot of that depression came from is every time I try to turn my walk with Jesus into some religion 10-step process that I can then check off and go, I'm really good at this, right? I've done these things. Every time I walk down that path, I end up depressed, right? Because mm-hmm. I know in my heart of hearts that I'm not good. It's all fake. It's all that dishonesty yeah. coming back up of, you know you're not thinking on the things of the Lord every moment of every day. You know you're not handling every relationship the right way. You know you're not having completely perfect sexual thoughts every single moment. You know you're not handling uh, you know, issues that come up or parenting or you know, telling the absolute truth every single moment. I mean, you know, you like you start going through all these things. I mean, just the, just the Ten Commandments alone, right? At the end of the day, I can look at those Ten Commandments and go, well, I hadn't killed anybody, but the rest of it, I fail at constantly, right? And so every time we walk down that religion path of do these things exactly right, yeah. I end up depressed. Um, I end up, you know, distraught. Um, and then the relationship with God is what says, no, 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 you don't have to, you don't have to bear that, right? And that's the whole point. Jesus is like, you don't have to bear that because you can't, because it's not your job, because you are not, you are not made for that. I bared it for you, so you don't have to. You can just walk with me, right? And the love that you have from me and the love that you have growing from me is what will cause you to walk this thing a little better, right? Yeah. But if that's the premise of it, isn't it always going to be messy and nasty and and you know, all over the place. The picture that I have of my walk with Jesus is like a old school pirate's treasure map, right? If you ever looked at an old school pirate's treasure map, it's this weird paper that you roll out, and there's a cool X somewhere, and then there's all these all these uh, uh, typographic symbols like mountains and rivers and streams, and then the path is this dotted line that goes all over the place, right? Around the mountains, it doubles back over itself, it all, and then it ends up at the X, right? And that, to me, is my walk with Jesus. It looks like a dirty old treasure pirate's map, right? It's all over the map through all kinds of obstacles, but it's in relationship with him, so it ends where it's supposed to end. It just is going to look like not like a straight line and not like a curvy line. It's going to look like a you know, a ball of hair is what it's going to yeah. look like, right? <laughs> it's going to look like the hair you get out of your drain, yes. right? See, see, I have I have three girls in my household, and it's just two boys. And one of those is my wife, and then I have a teenage daughter, and then a little bitty girl. And the hair that comes out of their heads on hairbrushes and in drains is insane, right? I guess that, like, yeah. the gray. It's, it's crazy. And that's what makes me want to almost throw up on this uh, podcast, but I can't because there's a mic in front of me. That, um, uh, that's, that's what stuff. the Christian walk looks like. That's really what the messy walk looks like. It's it's like a ball of hair. It's not some straight line. It's like that pirate's map. It's just, it's just all over the place. And that's what mine looks like. It just happened to have started at age eight instead of maybe for some folks listening right now at age 40 or at age 20, right, or whatever sure, it may yeah, be, right, sure. at age 19. It, it's all over the map, but it still looks the same. 
um, even if I started earlier. Um, it's just, it might be a little longer. It's probably a little more windy and messy because those things came, you know, like I was saying earlier, like puberty, those things came while I was a Christian, not prior. Um, and so it's, it's just, a, it, it, that's just part of the walk, no matter when you were saved. Um, and then, you know, if you're not right now, you don't know Christ, that walk starts at some point when you do know Jesus, hopefully, yeah. you know, and then it'll still be messy, right? So let's don't walk around with this pretense that uh, we're going to get, we're going to accept Jesus and then we're going to check off our little things and every year we're going to check off something new and we're going to just keep on getting more and more and better and better and perfect. It, it just doesn't work like that. It may, you may have some things that you walk through and man, you're, you're good at those now. Like, like the honesty thing I was bringing up, that's not a struggle for me anymore. Um, that is something that I am intentional on. But if I'm real honest, behind the scenes is a struggle because I'm constantly aware of the fact of I don't want to be somebody who's not authentic and honest, right? And so there's a tendency. And then the enemy uses those things, right? I mean, he's going to push me all the time. Oh, don't share that. That makes you look bad, right? Don't say this. Or, you know, make those things sound a little bit better, right? A struggle on the preacher all the time, or the pastor of a church all the time, is to when somebody asks you, which is the first question they always ask you, Corona changed this a little bit, but when you meet someone, the first question they always ask you is, is how many people do you have at your church, right? And so, you know, the enemy's sitting there in the back of my head all the time going, just add a few numbers to that number you're going to say, mm. right? It's always there. But you may check off some things that you improve on, you get better with, but that doesn't mean that number three on the list now all of a sudden you're back to being not real good at it again, right? Yeah. You're back to failing and messing up. And, you know, it's just the way, just the way it goes. It's, that's the authentic walk with Jesus, no yeah. matter what age you start. And you said, I remember like a month or so ago, and a few months ago, you, we were talking about something, but you said to me like, well, you know, the walk, your walk with Jesus is a process of understanding more of his holiness and who he is and understanding more of your sinfulness. Absolutely. Which I find to be, currently in my walk the most painful but just joyful thing in the world yeah. like there's a lot of sorrow that comes with it, with it but there's a lot of joy that comes with it at the same yeah. time like, the, the, i don't need anything else the closer you get to the cross yeah. the dirtier you look mm, right yeah. but at the same time the, the holier god looks to you the, the, the better you see him yeah. right and so it's very freeing right because what's happening is is this level of responsibility that you feel is being um, uh, cast off of you and onto him, right? And so you 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 are more and more aware of how horrible you are, but you're more and more aware of how absolutely amazing and gracious he is. And it's a freeing level of taking that responsibility off your shoulders and going, hold on, I don't have to carry this. How could I anyway? You become more and more aware of that, but he can. And so yeah. you kind of hand that thing off. And you start to, you know, that's when you start kind of functioning in the role you're supposed to function in, Right. Half the time we end up deciding that we need to be like God, that we need to carry all this burden, this responsibility. We need to do all these things right and correct them and improve ourselves. And, um, and, and at the end of the day, all we're doing is playing God's role, right? And so we got we to gotta play our role, which is I am a sinner and I need you in every single area of my life. That's my role, right? And in his role is God, right? He's the perfect one. I don't have to carry the perfect thing anymore because it's all fake anyway, but I don't have to carry it because it's not my role, right? My role is imperfection. His role is perfection, you know, and it sheds that responsibility. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah.
That's really good. Well, thank you everybody for joining um, us on the second episode um, of our podcast. Uh, the next episode, we're going to be diving more into uh, your kind of introduction into ministry. Yeah, yeah. We're going to go kind of next kind of level. So we kind of stopped with me getting married young, and we're going to walk into what ministry started to look like and how that came about, and it's an absolute insane story, so I'd love for you, yes. all four of you, to join us again. Mom, Mom Grandma, you need to, right? brother. Grandma, brother, we yeah. all need you guys back. Um, I'd love for you to join us with it because it's a pretty, pretty crazy story. It, it involves um, my father missing and uh, paralyzation, uh, and it's just crazy. So, yeah, come check it out, please. All right, well, thank you all. We'll see you all in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a great week.